Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. All manner of craftsmanship required for that particular building. Just a normal talent couldn't do it. That you are just gifted naturally, you couldn't cut it. For you to touch the things in that temple, you had to be anointed by God. Do you see? And so the model was given to, me, um, to Moses on the mount. And there is something so significant about that model because what you see about that model is that it was reminiscent of the holiness of God because there were so many barriers in that tabernacle. Amen. So what we see is a tabernacle that looks like this. Remember, it was a tent. Praise God. It was a tent that was mobile because they were moving in the wilderness for 40 years and they had to be moving with this tent. So it couldn't be a foundation type of, of building. It was something that they had to be moving from time to time. And the entire circumference or perimeter of that particular courtyard all right, was made of wood. But that wood was overlaid with linen. Okay, But the gate was somewhere here. Now, the sun was somewhere before the tent. That is, they were always against the sun. Because when people were going to ascend into the courtyard, they had to be back in the sun, which was a sign that God was very much against any other type of worship. Because the worship of the sun was very prevalent in that, you know, in that civilization, Egypt being a chief uh, proponent of that particular type of worship. And so, you couldn't enter into the temple looking into the sun. You had to back the sun. Literally denounce in every other type of worship to get into the true worship. Do you see? And so you get into the courts of the Lord and then the first thing you find here is the brazen altar of sacrifice. The brazen altar of sacrifice. In that brazen altar of sacrifice was an altar. Praise God. You see, this altar did not have steps. Praise God. You, you, you can't see? Okay, maybe we need to adjust it a little bit. Fantastic. Okay. Is it better? Can, can you all see? Okay, so we may need to remove this. Okay. Can you see better now? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we had the brazen altar of sacrifice. You know, a lot of times we just read these things. We don't know their signification, like KJV calls it. We don't know their significance, the purpose of these things. But they were so, so, so deliberate. God was very deliberate about the dimensions of everything. This was 75 feet, all right? And then this was 150 feet. Praise God. And then we had the brazen altar of sacrifice. It was in this altar that you had four horns at the four corners of the altar. Bible talks about the horns of the altar. Whoever touches the honor of the altar cannot be killed all right remember the guy that was running away from who which of the kings now and then when he got to the altar he held on to the horn and then solomon couldn't touch him anymore right because he had touched something that solomon could not violate these were the horns of the altar praise the name of the lord now like i said the horn or rather the, the altar did not have steps because there is something this altar signifies. It signifies salvation. It signifies the cross of Jesus Christ. And so there are no steps to salvation. Faith is the only step. So you don't find a step towards the horn. Or rather towards the altar. It was just a sloppy ramp. Praise God. And so you find the brazen altar of sacrifice. So any kind of... Um, animal that was prescribed by the law of Moses. For you to bring for the type of sin you had sinned. Whatever... 
sacrifice or whatever animal that you were bringing, it was going to be tied to the horns of the altar pending execution. Praise the name of the Lord. And while the execution is about to happen, the high priest will lay hands on the, you know, on the goat or on the lamb or on the cow, whatever it is you bring, heifer, all right? And you will lay your sins by confession unto the lamb. Praise God before he sacrifices it. Amen. And so it has to be a spotless lamb. There were dimensions and there were specifications to that type of sacrifice. Amen. And so because of um, the sinlessness and the righteousness of those lambs and that you brought that lamb for your own sacrifice because you were the one that sinned. Once the priest lays hands on the lamb, the, the righteousness of the lamb is transferred to the one who brought the lamb. And then the sin of the one who brought the lamb was placed upon the sacrifice. Amen. So you killed the sacrifice justly. Because the sacrifice you were killing was a sinful sacrifice because of the sin of the one who brought it. So that was why the wrath of God had to land upon Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. Because right there, he was at the brazen altar of sacrifice. And we all laid our hands on him, spat on him, crowned him with, thorns, with, with crowns of thorns. And then we brought him into this arena where he was tied to the horns of the altar. For several days, they were mocking him, put the cross on his back. He fell. He rose again. He kept trying to, you know, meander his way towards Golgotha. He got there and Bible says... After a while, he gave up the ghost and he died. And his blood what? was shed. His blood water from his sight as it was pierced. It was shed. And so the righteousness of the lamb became the righteousness of the ones who executed him. Amen. And so this is the brazen altar of sacrifice. Now once you go beyond the brazen altar of sacrifice, you find what is called the lava. The lava is where the washings are done. That is where the priests will go, having killed the sacrifice. You see, the temple back there was a very bloody space. Amen. Very bloody. Blood everywhere. And so the priest needed to wash. And you see, it was a water that had to be continually changed from time to time. And the Bible talks about this in Ephesians 5 verse 26. How that Jesus washes his church by the washing of water by the word. The Bible says in John 15:3, it says, now you are clean by the words which I speak. Speak to you, sanctify them by thy truth. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. And so we ascend from just being cross-conscious that yes, I'm forgiven. And there's no such thing as past, present, and future in the sense that a lot of people say it. Because when you progress into the temple, there is no sin here. Praise God for you to say past, present, and future. There is no sin in the future. Sin only resides in your history. So you don't say past, present, and future. You are not designed to continue in sin. You walk into perfection as you graduate from the cross to the washing of water by the word of God. Amen. Now you are clean. And that's why as newborn babes, they desire the sincere milk of the word of God that they may grow thereby so that they can leave all the beggarly elements of this world and grow unto perfection. So there is a lava here where the water washes and cleanses all right you sin you come back here and the water will wash you and the holy spirit will convict you of righteousness and you are good again praise god 
But you see, this, these places are in the outer court. This is the outer court, amen. So these two dimensions are in the outer court. So you can as well be that believer that only, you know, repents and continues to sin, repents and continues to sin, repents and continues to sin, all right? And you would only be here in your entire Christian experience. You will never ascend into the real place where God wants to meet with you. Praise God. This is just the beginning. This is not where we end. This is not where we tarry. This is not where we tabernacle. This is just the beginning. All right? So the lava is here, praise God. And then the washings are done there. But then there is a certain, do we have a cleaner now? Now there is a certain place called the tent. This is the courtyard. And then there is the tent. Hallelujah. The tent is 45 by 15. 45 feet by 15 feet. Now, in the tent, there are two compartments, all right? There are two compartments, amen. Can you still see what I'm showing you? All right. So, there are two compartments. Uh, I guess it works. All right, there are two compartments, yeah? 45 feet by 15 feet, 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high. Praise God. And so, this place is called the holy place, the holy place. Amen. And there is a curtain there that divides this tent from the outer court. And no Levite, no Israelite was permitted to assail into the tent. The best you can do is bring your sacrifices and put it at the horn of the altar. That was how far you could go. Everything from here upwards, the priest had to take over from you. You had no right of access to get into those dimensions. And so the priests could enter into the holy place. Praise God, because all the things they do here, this is where they offer them unto the Lord. Amen. And so the only place consists of the table of bread, the table of bread, the golden incense, hallelujah, and then the lampstand. Praise God. The lampstand. These were the three dimensions in the holy place. The table of bread contained 12 loaves unleavened. 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel because they were not really merged to be one. But in the New Testament, we are not 12 tribes anymore. We are now joined as one body of Christ. He is that true bread that came from the heavens. And once you identify with him by salvation, you join up with that body of Christ. That is the table of bread. That was the true bread that David ate and did not die because you shouldn't be eating that if you're not a priest. But David ate of it and nothing happened to him because he was showing us a dimension that is resident only in the New Testament. Amen. And so the table of bread is there, 12 of them. And then we had the golden incense which was filled with menorah. That was what was used for prayers and supplication. As a matter of fact, the graduation is the golden incense and then the lamps stand before the bread so the golden incense was used as menorah incense supplication let my prayer like incense rise before you let the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice then we had the lampstand talking about the seven dimensions of the spirit of God light illumination understanding all right so you pray into those things you don't read the bible into those things you pray into dimensions of revelation knowledge you may have read the bible Chris crossed it 10,000 times if you've not prayed it you will not enter into the true revelation of what those scriptures mean this is why Paul kept praying the Pauline prayers concerning the churches amen and amen so the golden incense leads to the lampstand talking about light and understanding and then when you 
graduate from there, then you are fully identified with the body of Christ, with the table of bread. This is why we do the communion, just to get us into that consciousness that we are part and parcel of the body of Christ. Let no man trouble me henceforth, for I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. Amen. Are we still together? So this tent was also made of wood. Everything in the temple was made of wood, but overlaid with gold. Everything in the temple was made of wood, but overlaid with gold. Gold representing kingship and righteousness, which represented, represented the holiness and the pristine nature of God. All right? And then wood represented the carnality of man. So everything in the temple was made of wood, but it was overlaid with gold. So that when God looks at the temple, he's not seen the wood. He's seen the gold. So when you come to the presence of the Lord and you pray, God is not looking at the fallible, limited, weak, and you know, confused victories looking at someone who has now been encapsulated in Christ if any man being Christ is a completely new creature all things are passed away behold all things are new so every type of vessel in the old test or rather inside this tent was made of wood but then it was this type of cheap wood it was a very cheap wood acacia type of wood and then it was overlaid with gold so you get into the temple you're not seeing wood anymore you are seeing gold so glory to God every time the devil looks at you he can't scratch you to see what is inside all he sees is gold all he sees is Christ and you've got to be conscious of that of that fact I have put on the Lord Jesus and I make no provision for the flesh Christ is now my habitation my life is hidden Christ with God do you see what I'm saying and then the priest had their limitation as well they couldn't assail into the holiest of all or the most holy place or the holy of holies I enter into the holies of holies I enter by the blood of the lamb all right that's what Paul Wilbur sang about now this place is 30 feet by 15 by 15 the holy of holies it's 30 feet by 15 by 15 but the holy of holies is a perfect cube is a perfect cube it's 15 by 15 by 15 15 by 15 by 15 remember the new jerusalem when it comes from on high on the last day it has equal dimension so when you topple it is still straight when you topple it is still straight the spirit of a man is indestructible all right this represents your body if you are a body-minded believer you are a carnal believer praise God that is what it means to be body-minded what shall we drink what shall we be clothed with I will like travel take care of my body you are always hanging around the outer court that is you are always falling into sin repenting falling into sin that was not the essence of the sacrifice of Jesus he did not die to you to keep you here he died to get you in here this is why he died so understand the purpose of redemption understand the purpose of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so you get into the holiest of all remember this place is made of wood also overlaid with gold all the vessels in the temple are made of wood overlaid with gold there is a very thick curtain here a very thick curtain that nobody could assail into the holy place without access inside here too there is another curtain that separates the most holy place from the holy place and this place you don't just enter no matter who you are even the 
high priest enters only once in a year and the regalia of the, of the high priest had bells all around so that while you are still active we can hear your sound the moment we stop hearing the sound you are dead because you could die if you didn't do the proper protocol of sacrificing for yourself first before you begin to atone for the sins of the people it was a temple that was designed to show man how impossible it was to ascend into the throne of grace even the high priest couldn't enter except once in a year. And in that once a year, he has got to be extremely careful because he can drop dead. And there is a chain tied around his legs such that if he drops dead, you can't enter to pick him up. You've got to drag him out. It was that dangerous to be in relationship with God. It was that impossible to call God your father. They heard his voice. They said, we can't be it. Moses, you be going. Let's just be here. Let the pastor be hearing. You see the tendency in our generation today as well. Let the pastor be hearing God. They are the ones that are close to God. Jesus didn't come for that. And so we find the holies of holies. In the holies of holies, you find the Ark of Covenant. Oh, praise God. The Ark of Covenant. What was inside the Ark of Covenant? Now, the Ark of Covenant had a lead on top of it, like the covering of the Ark of Covenant. The covering of the Ark of Covenant was the mercy seat. Hallelujah. The mercy seat. That's the only place God speaks from. Hallelujah. That is where he speaks from. It was the mercy seat. And overlaying the mercy seat, overarching over the mercy seat, were two cherubims with very wide wings. So it was always shadowed. Praise God. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the almighty by the way my nickname in secondary school was shadow amen all right so it was here you find the ark of covenant on top of that ark of covenant was the mercy seat and there were two cherubims all right over acting over the mercy seat but you could open the mercy seat uh, you could open it but you don't open it amen you could open it but you don't open it because inside it we had three things we had the two tables of stone representing the commandments that God gave the children of Israel the tables of stone we had the golden pots that contain manna hallelujah and then we had the rod of Aaron that budded hallelujah the tent or rather the holies of holies which is a perfect cube represents your spirit man it represents your spirit man your spirit man is the only factor in you the only dimension in you that can house and accommodate God all right and it's perfect fit for God. And the Ark of Covenant represents the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit that we now house inside of our spirits today. Inside the Ark of Covenant, we found the tables of stone. This is where every believer is designed to live from. The tables of stone talks about the commandments, the will of God. The commands of God. When you live from here, the commandments of Lord are no longer grievous. Your desire, your desperate desire is to do the will of God. Even if it means dying, you will do it. Because that's where you live from. The go, the, 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 so when people say, oh, the old, there's nothing like the Old Testament laws. It's contained in the New Testament law as well, which is love. Do you see, if you grab a hold of the dimensions here, your desire as a believer will be to do the will of God. To do the will of God. 
Because that's why we had the two stones there. Remember, this is not a man-made prototype. This is what heavens represented. This is the prototype in heaven that God gave to man, Moses, and says, replicate it so that I can have a chance to host or to be hosted by man on the face of the earth. Because even on earth, I must be in heaven. Do you understand? So even while he's on earth, he must still be in heaven. Because everything here is reminiscent, is exact dimension with the model in heaven. Bible calls it the original tabernacle. Hallelujah. So we had the tables of stone. And then we had the golden pot of manna. That manna was there for 40 years. It did not get stale. And people will gather thousands of manna so that it can survive the next day. And it will turn to warm and maggots. That is, the Lord told them, he says, take only for a day. Take what you need today. They say, no, our greed will not let us think. So we will carry much more than we need today. We will get as much as we can. Can all we get and sit on top of the can. By the next day, it will turn to worms. Because no matter the amount of money, riches, and possessions you have, without the presence of God, it will not last. But there was a particular manner. One, it was inside the golden pot containing manna and for 40 years nothing happened to it that is where to live one manna that can last for 40 years 10,000 that couldn't last one extra day one manna with the presence of God one manna with the presence of God with the presence of God whatever you have with the presence is everything you need whatever you have with the presence of God is everything you need. Stop. Com you see why it's foolish to compare yourself. Imagine that one manna comparing itself with those with 10,000. But the next day they will be maggots. You will still last 40 years. So it's folly to begin to compare your small possession with contentment. With abundance of possessions without the presence. And then there was the rod of Aaron that budded. This rod was dead. A rod is dead. It is not a branch. It is not a stem. It's a rod that had been used for several years. Some people were accusing Moses and Aaron and saying, are you the only ones that hear God? Are you the only one that has the capacity to hear God? We also are called of God. We also can hear God. People will question the validity of your Christianity. People will question the, the validity of your relationship with God. They'll say you are a Christian. Show us proof that you are a Christian. God will demonstrate to them. It's a matter of time. He says, bring all your rods. Bring all your rods. Lay it before the presence of God. Bring all your rods. I will use this to show you who I have chosen. And overnight, a rod that was dead, a rod that had no connection with earth, no, no, <laughs> no network, no lobby, no political alliances, nothing. It was just a dead rod. Overnight, that rod budded. It didn't bud a tiny little piece of almond. It budded a big solid almond fruit. Overnight. Overnight. These are some of the signs that you are in that presence. There will be a lot of things happening in your life you can't explain. It's called resurrection. Because what happened to Aaron's rod was resurrection. God will use your life to demonstrate that he has the power of resurrection to the outside world. They will look at you. You don't have so much. You don't have anybody. You don't know anybody in power. But the way you are rising, we can't understand it. You are in the temple. You are in the holiest of all. 
You don't need your rod to be connected to branches and to roots and to other soils. You only need God and you will board better than those planted around lobbyists and psychophants. If God has called you to do something, stay in his presence. He will make it happen. These three dimensions, these three dimensions, the desire to do the will of God, your love for the word that sustains you. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone that can perish the next day. We live by the word of God, representing the golden pot of manna and supernatural. The rod of Aaron that bought it. Three things that characterize a man that lives in the presence. He loves the word of God. He loves the word of God. He wants to do the will of God. And he himself cannot explain all the dimensions of his life. He himself cannot explain how God saved him from hepatitis B. How God saved him from several kidnappers and issues of life. How God, how he got married and no job. And he survived for two years without borrowing like Don. He won't be able to explain it if he's in that presence. He won't lack. He won't borrow. And he may not have all the things that men need to call, you know, affluence and influence. But anything he needs per time, the Lord will supply it. That is what it means to stay in his presence. That is why you will find people with 10,000 manna coming to look for your own manna. Your own is one, but it has lasted far longer than all their own combined. This is why money will never produce peace. No matter how much money it is. If you live from this presence, you are living inside the overflow. So, and the beautiful thing about this tent again is that it is covered with three layers of covering. It's covered with three layers of covering. The innermost covering is made up of linen that was finely beautified and embroidered. So when you are inside the temple and you look up, you are seeing one of the most gorgeous outlooks ever. But you see, after that embroidery, you find a goat skin type of layer again. Then beyond that, you now find the last layer of badger skin dyed red. So they were in the desert. So sand, sea dust, all of that will come on top of the tent. So on the external, you don't look the most attractive. But inside of you, heaven on earth. So you may be in this world and people look at you and they don't feel like you are consistent with their makeup. They look at you and they disdain you. They say, why would you be identifying with this Jesus? What is this? What has he offered you? Yes, they may not understand the beauty you are experiencing in the relationship you have with Jesus. Because they are not inside. All they can see is the badger skin. And it does not look attractive enough. This is what the People of the world will persecute you. They will call you all kinds of names and revile you and call you all types of slanderous things. He says, do not worry. He says, great is your reward. This is why we can boldly walk the face of the earth as people who are in the world, but not off of the world. This is the dimensions and the entire content of the tabernacle of Moses. He was there to represent the levels and layers of access to the presence of God. To the presence of God. But then there was another tab tabernacle. Another tabernacle called the tabernacle of Moses or rather the tabernacle of David. What we find in the tabernacle of David was very strange. 
As a matter of fact, after a while, Eli became the chief priest and the high priest of this temple. He gave birth to sons he couldn't control. Ophni and Phineas, they desecrated this temple. So after a while, the Lord rebuked both the father and the sons. And then, of course, they all died at some point. And then the Philistines were granted the permission by God to take away the ark. Remember, the ark was always in the holiest of all. And there was a protocol to how it must be carried. Now, when the children of Israel were going into a battle, their most powerful weapon was not the soldiers. Their most powerful weapons was not the skill of the archers and the those that would shoot the arrows. Their most powerful weapon that determined their victory was the presence of this ark. And so once they carry it, they are sure, even if it's one man that is fighting, they are sure of victory. The day Eli learned that the ark was stolen by the Philistines in battle, he fell and died. Remember, they came to give him the news. They said, your two sons are dead. He said, uh-huh, yeah. is the ark alive? He didn't die from the news of the death of his sons. <laughs> there are more things more important than children. Yes. If a man looks for his life, he will lose it. We'll lose it. Eli understood that at least. You see, Eli was a very innocent man, actually. He was just not a strong man. He, was, he didn't have authority. And his children defied him to his face. They were sleeping with women right in the temple. Right there. So they came to tell Eli and said, your sons are dead. And said, uh-huh. is the ark still with Israel? They said, the ark is gone. Right there, he slumped and died. He couldn't afford to live in an Israel without an ark. Because it was a death he initiated. God didn't kill him. He just couldn't live in an Israel without an ark. He knew God. He just had a lot of limitations. He was the one that taught Samuel how to hear from God. So this guy was, he was innocent. And he heard about the departure of the ark. And he couldn't, he couldn't stay alive. Are we like that? That without the presence, what are we doing? What are we doing living? Some of you will rush to work without the presence. You rush to your car without the presence. And you are happy driving, spending without the presence. Eli said there's no point living. Remember what David said. Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. I'd rather choose your loving kindness and be dead than be alive without it. So Eli died from the reality of the fact that the Ark of Covenant had departed. And so one of the sons, one of the wives of the sons who was just traveling in that season heard that the Ark was taken away. He didn't name the child based on the departure of his father. He named the child after the departure of the Ark. He says, this one is Ichabod. The departure of the presence of God. People understood the power of the presence. They knew it. The presence was everything. Moses said, I will not go anywhere if your presence will not escort us. Are you like that? Do you live from here? Or you are still here, rigmaroling, taking selfies at the outer court. This is the real deal. Amen. And so Eli... Ophni and Phineas, they transgressed and the Lord removed their names from the genealogy of the priest. So there was a caricature temple of Moses, tabernacle of Moses. It had every other element but the most important element. And for a long time it was like that. And then it was during that period David became king. 
And David said, my primary purpose and assignment is to retrieve that Ark of Covenant. So David retrieved the Ark of Covenant and he casualized the procession back into the temple. So he, he, he used laymen to carry the Ark. That was why the thing even shook in the first place. He used laymen and a cart and a, a well-designed cart. You don't replace the presence with excellence. You don't replace the presence with nice embroidery. You don't replace the presence with good shoes and Gucci bags and lovely makeup. You don't replace the presence with anything that earth produced. You don't replace the presence with it. David funkified the ark. Let's put it in an ark. You don't put it in an ark. Levite, and much more than Levites, priests must hold it at a certain distance from themselves and on their shoulders and move in a certain procession. Else, that ark will shake and somebody will die from trying to assist it. Uzzah, it was called the breach of Uzzah. Uzzah attempted to help God and stabilize him. He, he died. He died. He wanted to stabilize God. So, I He died from that attempt. David said, eh, hey, Amo, what's this? Take it to one miserable guy's house. Just take it, take it out from my sight. They just found one guy they felt was nothing and had no purpose in life. They just dropped the ark there. 90 days. 90 days intermingling with the presence. 90 days, everything about Obed-Edom changed. 90 days. The thing was just around him. His children got better grades in school. His produce were just swelling. Everything was just making sense. His marriage was getting sweeter. Everything just made sense. Just 90 days. Then the news got to David. But boy, it blew the guy don't look at the leg. Oti blow by. This guy is a big man now. He's the biggest boy in Israel. Even richer than you, sir. Ah! Obedidom, that guy. Go and bring my thing. Go and bring. And this time he went to visit the books. How must it be done? Then he got the proper people, the Levites, the priests, carried the right way. But he did not take it into the temple of Moses. He went to Mount Zion. He placed it in Mount Zion. So, in the temple of David, tabernacle of David, referenced in, I believe, Isaiah 16 or Isaiah 26, referenced in Amos 9, and then referenced in Acts 15, only those three times, the tabernacle of David. In that tabernacle, all these processions and protocols were broken. The only thing in that tabernacle was the Ark of Covenant. All the Levites and priests were sacked. Only singers were permitted in there. Only praises and worship was permitted inside that temple. Listen, this is what we call praise, sacrifice. Because in praise, all these sacrifices are done. In praise, in worship, in thanksgiving, all of these sacrifices, all the killing of cows, washing of the hand, entering into the holiest of all, gathering the bread, eating of it, lighting the lampstands, getting into the menorah, spreading it as an incense, killing all of those things were fully, fully fulfilled in the sacrifice of praise. That is why it's called the sacrifice of praise. Let us therefore by him offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually 
which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his holy name. The dominant activity of a believer is thanksgiving sacrifice of praise thanksgiving and worship we are not here to be killing bulls and goats and all of that hebrews 9 i believe verse 13 or 15 he said if the ashes of bulls if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an hypha sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of jesus christ offered through his eternal spirit without spot unto god Purge your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. Do you know that every of these curtains, they represent his flesh? His flesh. Oh dear God, let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Bible says he has destroyed the enmity. You who are sometimes afar off, he has brought you near by his flesh. By his flesh. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 14, Bible says, verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off, has been made near by the blood of Jesus Christ, for he is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the, the enmity, even the law of commandments, contending ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. All of these access points were destroyed in his body. As they were tearing apart his body on the day of crucifixion, they were tearing away the garments that separated you from the holiest of all. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, I believe verse 15 thereabout, it's a sin that we have a high priest who has passed into heavens. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. For he's not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity, but he was in every point tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in a time of need. On the day that he was resurrected from the dead, remember Mary wanted to touch him. He said no, because he was fulfilling the law of Moses in that moment. While you are trying to be a high priest, someone who is defiled cannot touch you else. The person defiles your sacrifice. So Mary, who was known to be a prostitute, could not touch Jesus. So Jesus looked at her and said, do not touch me else. You have spoiled the able, you have spoiled the sacrifice. Do you understand? You have spoiled it. So he said, wait, let me go to my father and your father. When he went into the heavens, what did he do? He went to pour out his blood in the original tabernacle in heaven because it was in the mercy seat that the high priest was sprinkled the blood of atonement on top of the mercy seat. That was how he atoned for the sins of the people of Israel. He will sprinkle it on top of the mercy seat like that. Thereby justifying the children of Israel. But the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an hypha, even though they could sprinkle the unclean, but it was only to the purifying of their flesh. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through his Holy Spirit, through God, he offered himself without spot unto God. How much more will he not purge your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God? Because the things that the Old Testament guys did, they would have to do it every single year. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 11, the Bible says, Every priest standeth daily, ministering oftentimes the same offerings, which cannot take away sins. The Bible says, This man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. The Bible says, For by one sacrifice he has perfected for two minutes. Huh? He has perfected for two years. He has perfected for a decade. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. 
when we think of all these sacrifices that we would normally have been subjected to every year and the and the sacrifice of the son of god on our behalf what wells up in our spirit is what is a sacrifice of praise so if you are only thanking him for the new car you are wrong every time you open your mouth to thank him you are thanking him for all this procession that he dragged you he's the golden sensor he dragged you and he said i will not stop here i will not stop here i will not stop here until you get inside here enter into the throne of grace to obtain mercy on the mercy seat that's where you are now seated with him in heavenly places far above principalities and powers and dominion and might and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come hallelujah this is what David saw. This is what David understood. This is why we have the tabernacle of David. So when the Acts, when the apostles were saying, let there be a separation between Gentiles and the Jews, James stood up and said, oh God, no, no, no. God is trying to reinstitute what David started in the Old Testament, the tabernacle of David, where there are no barriers. So even the Gentiles can be grafted. Don't separate them. Without that tabernacle, they won't have known the solution. So Acts 15. So David did not violate Moses. David is the completion of Moses. Without Moses, we would not have understood the difficulty of entering into his presence. There were no singing in the tabernacle of Moses. There were no worship. There were no singers. There were no minstrels. Nothing. Everything was protocol, protocol, and protocol. And then the Ark of Covenant, which only one person had the mind to go into only once a year, and he could die trying. But then we have a tabernacle that we have access into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus Christ. What do we do in that kind of a place? For we have the circumcision that worships God in the spirit. In the spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we don't have confidence in our own ability to fulfill the laws. Our confidence is in Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. This is where we live from. And for someone who lives from this realm. His attitude perpetually is thanksgiving. His attitude is praise. His attitude is worship. God is looking for such worshipers. They are not common. That is why Jesus was looking for them. They that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Father, we give you praise. So when the choir begins to lead us in worship, what is in your mind is not the newest thing you just acquired. Because that thing can be touched. You are now hidden in Christ, in God. You rejoice over eternal realities. That is where you live from. That's the overflow. That's the overflow. That's the overflow. Because you will notice that David followed the protocol of the procession of the ark resident in the tabernacle of Moses before he could even get it into the Mount Zion. And the funny thing is that the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of Zion or the tabernacle of David existed at the same time. So, <laughs> the tabernacle of Moses existed without the ark, but the tabernacle of David existed with the ark, and they were existing at the very same time. Zadok was the high priest at that time. And so that tells you that you are not violating this one. You are not violating it to enter David. You only see the essence of David with this one. There is that fear and holiness that it will bring to you. That what I have received by faith is, is a long stretch. Jesus gave everything just to give me this thing. 
and this is what Paul was also talking about in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because we are now the temple, we are the tabernacle hosting God, which is your reasonable act of service and worship. So you see how he merged the tabernacle of Moses with the tabernacle of David. And that is what is resident in the believer today. What David could not experience holy, what Moses could not experience holy, we experience it in concert in ourselves. What I've shown you this morning is everything. And this is why when you, when you read the Old Testament, don't be in a hurry. Understand what it is saying. Do you know living has a meaning? There is a meaning to all those things. Sometimes we don't rush through those things. All these things I don't understand. Language that is no longer relevant. Where will I buy menorah now? Things you can't find in the market. So you assume that those things don't mean much. They mean a lot. Stay there. You will get to a better understanding of what God says when he says he loved you. Because this is what he did just to prove that he loves you. And he did that with the mind that you may never even know it, but he did it still. What about those who now come into that revelation that this is what Christ truly did? Can we rise to our feet this morning and just raise an offering of worship? Raise a sacrifice of praise. Raise an altar of thanksgiving. Raise an altar of thanksgiving. Raise an altar of thanksgiving. If you are looking for Obed-Edom, if it's Obed-Edom you are looking for here, you are wrong, oh. Obed-Edom was not looking for out of blow. He just hosted the ark. And his life changed forever. It will make him your focus. Every other thing will align. If you will make him your focus. Every other thing will align. You will become Obed-Edom. It's not a big deal. This is where Mordecai lived from. Haman could not threaten him. Nothing could threaten Mordecai. Nothing. He lived from a place. He lived from the overflow. He lived from the overflow. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. For in Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Can we celebrate Jesus with this understanding? This is why, this is why, this is why David would say, praise him with understanding. So if you call a big concert now, people will feel the place. But a lot of people that are praising there don't have understanding. So if God looks at that crowd of 5,000 people, maybe only 30 are giving true worship. Because they are giving it from a place of understanding. Alright? So it's not just in praising and dancing. It is in doing it with with understanding. So when David was dancing before his God, when the ark was returning, he was doing it with what? With understanding. So much so his wife despised him and he despised his wife back. Because if you despise me because of God, I, I, I will despise you. Says, they that honor me, I will honor. And they that dishonor me, I will lightly esteem. So anyone who honors God with me, I honor the person. And that is why we must not allow social media stifle our honor for God. It's not trendy to love God. It's not trendy to push things on your social media handle. Plus you and the social media handle and the person that created the platform. God, by winking. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know some people have defied God before? One of them was the guy that built Titanic. He built it, finished. They, you know, journalists can ruin your career. They were asking him questions. 
ah, this Titanic you have built, we see that it's the largest, you know, sea vessel ever created on the face of the earth. Wow, tell us more about this. He said, yes, actually, even God cannot sink it. We all know the story. Don't defy God. Honor him. Let your whole life be a sacrifice of praise. Not just in your words, not just in church when you dance. The entirety of your life offering, offered up unto the Lord as a sacrifice. Because what he did is more. What he did is more. So give it up to him. So when they are coming to sing today, dance like there's nobody watching but him. You dance for, a, for the audience of one man. Not for some boy that you invited to church hoping he would like you more. No. For the audience of one man. Why are we laughing? No, it's the truth, guys. It's the truth. Some people say, oh, oh, you don't do that. You don't want to make up the smear. Let it smear. I give my everything when I come to teach God's word. Give you everything when you come to dance before his presence. Give you everything. There's rock now. You can roll. Praise the name of the Lord. Because what he has done for us, it will take eternities for us to grasp the fullness of it. Eternities. Eternities. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for revelation knowledge. Thank you because our hearts are established in truth and in all righteousness. For in Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Can we give the Lord another... Amen. Please stay, remain standing, remain standing very quickly. Let's give our offerings in honor to the Lord. Remain standing, please. Let's give our offerings in honor to the Lord. Um, and let, let it be worthwhile, all right? Give a thanksgiving offering from your heart. The way David and his men gave an offering unto the Lord on the day they were gathering resources to build the temple, all right? They gave so much. David had to say, stop giving, stop giving. The truth is that the things we thought we needed funds for, the Lord has provided them already. Praise the name of the Lord. So you're not giving to church, to a man. You're giving from a place, from the overflow. You're giving from a place to a God in that sense, just to show him how awesome he is. Because he has blessed you. All right, We love only because he first, he first loved us. He's the giver in this equation. He's not you. You're not the giver. He's the real giver. All right, so give and shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For the same measure with which you meet shall also be method back to you. Father, we give you praise. So please give your offerings right now. And the Lord will cause all grace abound to, to abound towards you. That you are in all sufficiency in all things with bound unto every good work. While we are still standing, I'd like us to celebrate. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parpoint Tribe.